Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series, which can be heard on VHHA.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get podcasts. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the World Podcast Network, and the Family Podcast Network. And we're on the radio each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, 107.7 FM, and 8.20 a.m. across Central Virginia, and 16.50 a.m. in Hampton Roads, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And today we're excited to be joined by Katie Hugassian a 26-year-old nurse at Lewis Gale Medical Center who is joining us today to share her experience as a stroke survivor to help raise awareness. We want to thank her for being with us and for telling her story. So welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Before we dive in, uh, we were just talking a moment ago before we started recording a little bit about your background. So let's start just by getting to know you a bit better. We mentioned that you're a nurse at Lewis Gale Medical Center. Tell us a little bit more about your work and your role there, and also some other essential things that you'd want someone who's meeting you to know about the person that you are. Well, I grew up in the Virginia Beach area, but now live in Roanoke. I moved to the 540 area around 2015. Uh, I went to tech, got a degree in clinical neuroscience. Before being a nurse, I was an EMT for six years. I began working at Lewis Gale in August of 2022, working in the medical ICU, which is also the neurotrauma ICU for that hospital, and have loved it ever since I started. Well, thank you for telling us a little bit more about yourself. And now I do want to talk about a medical experience that you had personally. You actually suffered a stroke while you were on shift at Lewis Gale. Tell us about when that happened and what was your physical or emotional recognition that something was going wrong in the moment? Right. Uh, I was at work. It was January 5th of this year. It was towards the end of the shift at about 5.50 is when it started. Um, it was a busy day. I would finally sat down to finish charting. Again, it was the end of the shift, so I was just trying to, you know, tie up loose ends. And I noticed all of a sudden, you know, typing with my left hand, I was missing keys and it was slow. So I got up, went to the bathroom, and it went away. So I assumed initially that when I sat down, I pinched a nerve maybe. I even looked in the mirror and didn't see any facial grouping, you know, so I guess something in me knew something was wrong, even though I was kind of denying it. But like I said, it went away, so I thought, okay, that was just a weird thing that happened for a minute. So sat back down at the nurse's desk, tried to finish typing, and it happened again. So I got up again, and I went to sit down in the break room, figured maybe I just need a minute need to calm down and it'll go away again, but it got worse. Over the span of maybe five minutes, I couldn't move my arm or my left hand at all. And then my leg felt really weak because I was going to stand up and walk back out to get help, and I didn't quite trust my ability to do so. Mm-hmm. And a coworker came in and asked if I was okay, and I told her what was going on. Uh, she ran to get other nurses. And went to get a wheelchair, and by the time she came back, it's when the facial droop had started. So it was very clear that it wasn't just a pinched nerve, that it was something much more serious. And from there, 
I guess you were taken for treatment. Tell us about uh, that process, if you would. Right. They called the stroke alert, which had the ICU doctor and a bunch of the residents come running. I mean, they recognized the symptoms very quickly. I mean, I hit every symptom, you know. One side of my body, you know, was very weak. I had the facial droop, the slurred speech, checked every box. So they immediately wheeled me down to the CT scan to determine if it was a bleed, and it was not. So they gave me the clotbuster TNK. I want to say symptom onset, the time that I got the medicine was 16 minutes, which is unheard of. I mean, the window is about four hours. Mm-hmm for you to get it time your symptoms start. Then they took me to an ER room, and eventually I became a patient in the unit that I work in. My coworkers became my nurses. And throughout this process, I mean, you're even though you're you're symptomatic, you're you're also alert. What's what's going through your mind as all this is happening? Partial denial. I mean, all the symptoms were there, but I'm thinking. I'm 26. There's no way this is a stroke. It can't be a stroke. It's, it's, there's no, I don't smoke. I have none of the risk factors. There's no way. Mm-hmm. And even one of the residents has said, well, maybe it's a complex migraine. You know, sometimes they can present this way. And I did have a headache all day that day, but it was very mild. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's that. Maybe it's a complex migraine. Initially, though, before I found out it wasn't deplete, I thought, that's what I thought at first, that it was a hemorrhagic stroke because I was stressed out that day, had the headache, but it wasn't that. And then it was, okay, if it's not a stroke, you know, what if it's a brain tumor? It was just a lot of, you know, what if it's this, what if it's that, and trying not to go down that road, but it was very hard not to. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you sharing that internal monologue because that's the kind of thing that, that all of us wrestle with when you know we worry about our health condition or our health status. So uh, even you, as a trained healthcare professional, having thoughts like that, I think that you know that might be um, encouraging to someone who hears this. But also, it is I think a, a lesson and a message to you know take those things seriously. If you think something's going wrong, right. it's important to get it checked out. According exactly. to the American Stroke Association. And the HCA Healthcare Foundation, every 40 seconds, someone in the U.S. has a stroke. Strokes can happen to anyone at any age. Katie, as you just mentioned, uh, in terms of recognition and response, there is the FAST acronym, which is often referenced. It refers to some of the symptoms that you mentioned, Katie, facial drooping, arm weakness, and speech difficulties, which are a sign of stroke. And then obviously, FAST also refers to the importance of acting rapidly to get medical care because a stroke is a medical emergency. As you mentioned, 16 minutes for you, that window is typically four hours. Katie, as we talked about, your your colleagues were able to intervene and to quickly get you care. Having had that experience, what words of wisdom can you share with people who are listening to this about recognizing stroke symptoms and taking action promptly? I mean, just making sure you know the symptoms. I mean, even if you're young and if symptoms start, you know, don't brush it off. You know, I initially did. And I think healthcare professionals especially are very bad about kind of downplaying what's happening to us. We see it all the time. I went into work expecting to treat stroke patients, not become one. And just don't downplay what's happening to you. Even if you don't have risk factors, if something's happening that is a symptom or is just wrong, 
go get it checked out. You know, better to be told that you're fine than to brush it off and realize that it was an emergency sort of situation. That's great advice, uh, and hopefully people who need to hear it uh, will will listen and accept it. I understand, Katie, we talked about, obviously, your treatment, that after a month-long recovery in the ICU and inpatient rehab, you went back to work in the same unit that, as you said, you had become a patient in. I'm wondering if you can share with us how your experience as a patient has perhaps better helped inform the care you provide as a clinician and caregiver. Yeah, for sure. I think I just very much empathize with the patients some more now. For example, I want to say last week, I had a patient come in that was a stroke victim. They got the clot buster drug and their symptoms improved and then declined. And mine had done the same thing. I, after the clot buster that night, I could start to move my hand, touch my nose, and by morning it was gone. And it stayed gone for about a month. And so the patient I had, was very worried, very concerned that they would never walk again, that, you know, the movement in that side of their body was just gone. And I was able to share my experience and say, listen, I understand where you are mentally. It happened the same way with me. I got better and then I got worse. And I get where you're at mentally, where you're scared that it's just gone. But that doesn't mean anything. It can still very much come back. The brain is very good at fixing itself. It's just kind of slow about it. Well, that's great advice, and it's good that you are able to share your personal experience to help others who are going through that process. So so thank you for doing that. We talked about, and you mentioned some of the risk factors. Um, as you said, you're young, healthy, a non-smoker, but smoking, diabetes, high blood pressure can be contributing risk factors for stroke, which tend to affect older adults more often than younger adults who represent only about 15% of cases. We mentioned your recovery a few moments ago. In doing some research, I also read that you had the opportunity to throw out the first pitch during the Salem Red Sox annual strikeout stroke game, suggesting that obviously your recovery is progressing in a positive direction. Uh, Now that you had this experience, whether it's through the throwing out the first pitch or other things like engaging with the media. Tell us about the the work or the role you've taken on to try to raise awareness about the dangers of stroke. I mean, really, I just try to get my story out there because, again, healthcare providers especially, you know, we downplay what's happening to us. And, again, initially when that weakness first happened in my head, I downplayed it. You know, I assume I had a TIA, which is, you know, a mini stroke and a warning sign of a real stroke maybe five minutes before the real thing hit. And I downplayed it, which I should not have done. You know, so it's just getting the story out and making people aware, you know, that time is essential. And to just, you know, don't brush it off just because you're young, just because, you know, you don't smoke and you don't have any risk factors. It doesn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything for me. It can happen. Absolutely. Uh, Words to live by for sure. Thank you again, Katie, for being with us and for sharing your story. Before we let you go, we do have a tradition here on the Patients Come First podcast to ask our guests a pair of more personal, fun questions to give our listeners a sense of who they are beyond the work they do. To keep things interesting, we have a list of 10 mystery questions. So I'm going to ask you to choose two numbers between 1 and 10, and then I'll ask you the corresponding questions. Hmm. Uh, 3 and 7. Okay, 3. 
What's the best piece of advice you've ever received and why does it stick with you? Oh, I would think, okay, one piece of advice I had when I was younger is to never let the negative things in life stand in your way. And I mean, that very much applies to this year. I mean, I had a stroke and I still was taking online courses for my uh, bachelor's in nursing, typing my papers one-handed, you know, just not letting the negative things stop you from what you're trying to achieve. That's great advice. One foot in front of the other, keep pushing forward despite the obstacles. And then you also chose number seven. That question is, if you could choose one superpower to have or any one skill to instantly master, what would it be and why? Hmm. Superpower, I would say being able to breathe underwater. I'm from the beach, and I think that would be really cool. Okay. Have a little mermaid in you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, listen. Katie, I want to thank you again for being with us. And that brings us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we want to once again thank our guest, Katie Hugassian, for joining us today. So thank you. Thank you.